master this game, you have to be, like I said, very calm, but also quick of wit, sharp of eye, fast of mind, slow of tongue, quick to see. And now, from the Coastal Pinball Research Center in beautiful Victoria, B.C., it's Vancouver Island Pinball. Well, hello and welcome to episode 19 of the Vancouver Island Pinball Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Betterlich, along with Daryl. And uh, we're going coast to coast on this episode, folks. We uh, are going to be talking with the new Vancouver Island uh, pinball champion, uh, Kerry Hill. We are also going to be going to the other coast, to Prince Edward Island, and we'll be talking with uh, a gentleman that's opening up Canada's largest classic pinball arcade uh, on Prince Edward Island. And uh, in between those two, we're going to sandwich in a tech tip slash product review with Daryl and Tyler. As well, we're going to be having feet on the ground uh, in the upcoming Northwest uh, Pinball and Arcade Show in Tacoma. And we'll be reporting on the actual show in an upcoming episode. The champ is here! Well, uh, it's Dan Bedolik here again with the Vancouver Island Pinball Podcast, and uh, we're actually on the site of a, a, a huge crime, a crime against humanity. Um, well, okay, not really. Um, but uh, we're, we're going to be discussing uh, the uh, Vancouver Island Pinball Championship, and I'm here with the champ. She's got her belt. She's got her belt, and she's got a outfit, a Bret Hart-inspired uh, outfit, uh, wrestling outfit, that uh, Ashley had one as well. Uh, hers reads the champ. Ashley's reads, I'm with the champ, and uh, it's, it's Carrie Hill. Carrie, so wonderful to have you here again. Hi, Dan. Thanks for chatting with me again. Yeah, well, I thought, uh, you know, it really, it really deserves a little bit of discussion. You have had an awesome year. You've, uh, you know, uh, really, really brought your game level up, and um, not that it wasn't significant before, but it, it's, it's at a level now where it, it is the most dominant on the island, and uh, I think that's a great thing. Um, how did the championships go for you? You did have a buy in the first round. Yeah, well, yeah, the buy in the first round, I just, I guess when I came that day, I just wanted to play really loose and just play for fun. And I think I got pretty, uh, when we played two years ago pre-COVID, I got really, really excited. And, you know, I mean, this is kind of our, our league's big deal event to sure. see who wins the islands. And so yeah, I just wanted to just, just have fun and just see where it went. And um, just playing loose served me, I guess. I got lucky when I needed to. And well, yeah, some you, decent rounds. Yeah, well, you had, um, I mean, your first match was 4-0, but after that, uh, we played. And I realized when I was looking at the bracket that I was in trouble because um, <laughs> uh, you have been my nemesis, and you've earned it. You've, uh, you've always played well against me. And uh, we did go six games, but uh, I came out on the short end. Then you actually had probably your closest match. You played Brent in the semis, and you guys actually went to seven games. Yeah, but you know? he, Brent's an incredible pinball player. He's really good. He... He has a really great knowledge of all the rule sets. He's got a great uh, skill set. He's, he's just a really good all-around player. Um, I don't usually beat Brent. I don't think my record is as, as good against Brent as some other folks. So I, uh, yeah, that's when I started getting a little more nervous later in the in the in the rounds. But again, I just try to play play loose against Brent and just have fun with it. And 
um, yeah, one to seven and uh, got lucky to pull out the win. Yeah, and then we then we have the classic rematch. So um, the original battle for the belt came down to, uh, Kerry knocked me out that year too, um, came down to Kerry and Fuji. And um, Fuji is, is a well-known name here on the island. Uh, his name is splattered all over machines everywhere, um, including some in my house. <laughs> um, but uh, one of the interesting things was he went to uh, to six this time it was uh was it seven last year or did you go no, six I think last we went year to game seven again this year didn't no we? no this year you went six did we yep. okay yep because the only person that took you to seven was brent all right um and so previously in 2020 the the inaugural belt challenge um you played fuji on iron maiden um and fuji had a little bit of knowledge that you didn't have um fast forward two years your knowledge on the machine is much, much better. You're, you're quite the expert on the game. But Fuji owns one, <laughs> which, yeah. which sort of just makes it this, this quandary of what's going to happen. But in the end, you, uh, you, know, you, you, you kept your ride strong and, and you came through and, and you won the belt and you dethroned uh, you know, the, the king. Long, you know, the king is dead, long live, long live uh, the queen. Um, you know, uh, it, it, it was uh, cool. I, your enthusiasm for this sport, um, I think, is something that I always uh, really take to heart. You, uh, you know, you're our pinballer, or you're, you're our trophy maker. Um, you know, you made some amazing trophies. That I, I love the fact that you had matching outfits tonight. I mean, it was just so. Well, cool. I mean, if you're going to uh, give me a ridiculous uh, wrestling belt-inspired yes. trophy, I'm going to flaunt it and wear it. So, yeah, Ashley and I had some fun just making some jumpsuits and, you know, bedad. Uh, whatever, putting gems and stuff on some pinball gloves and stuff and just sort of doing the wrestling vibe just for fun. And yeah, I think it's just, it's, it's been really exciting to build a new community. And like, mm -hmm. it's just, it's, it, the pinball scene is so fun here with like, you know, making new friends and it's yeah. really competitive. But uh, yeah, it's just... Uh, it's just been a great time and why not just you know just have fun with it right oh no it's awesome I mean I always believe in that like in the end competition is fine and I mean it drives a fair number of people but if you're not having fun then what's the point of this none of us are making a living at this or whatever else so it's it's make sure you're enjoying it because because I've seen some people not so much here um, you know get really wound up and get miserable with losses or whatever and the thing is you're still going to lose fairly often everybody does well it's a game you know? that you lose yeah you're never gonna the you, game yeah ends the game does end exactly train. so yeah there's no point in getting all wound up about it i mean i think the competitive side of it really serves me because i was quite athletic as a kid and played a lot of sports as a kid so sure. this, it's kind of fun to you know pull out some wins here and there yep. and i'd be lying if i wasn't uh if i didn't say i was totally elated that i won the belt and then you know, it's just been a lot of fun. And I've had people come up to me at the bar and be like, hey, I heard you won the belt. People I don't know. I'm just like, it's oh, like I love a, it. And a moment of, <laughs> a tiny moment of uh, celebrity. Yeah. Pinball celebrity. We've seen the pictures on Facebook with you and then, you know, uh, taking the belt around and, and <laughs> stuff like that in, in, in public. And I love it. Like I say, that's part of, it's part of the enjoyment and everything else. That was the reason that we built it, like, you know, rather than just a trophy, because, you know, walking around with a trophy is sort of doesn't work. But a belt <laughs> sort of, it still is a little odd, but it, it, it just fits a little bit more, and, and it couldn't uh, be around somebody better, I don't think. Well, okay, maybe me. But other than that, <laughs> it couldn't be around anybody else better. So congratulations, Carrie. It's, it's a pleasure to know you. It's a pleasure to play against you. And on occasion, it's a pleasure to be beaten by you, but... Uh, <laughs> But uh, no, it's just congratulations and well earned.
thank you, Dan. Really appreciate that, and I appreciate everything you've built here for to create this island championship and this league that we have. So thank you. Cheers. Daryl, uh, in this month's episode, what are we going to find out in the tech tip? Well, this month we're talking to uh, Tyler, one of our friends on the uh, northern part of the island. Well, slightly north, I guess. <laughs> uh, not that far north. Uh, and a couple of things. It's nice for me to be talking to another technical person. And uh, we're basically talking about two things with him. And one is uh, the project that he's working on, uh, which he'll be revealed in, in the interview, which is quite an extensive uh, restoration, I, I, I guess you'd say. And then also he's been working with a new product that I've been kind of interested in and, and have yet to try. But it's uh, something I think that's... Uh, Gaining a lot of traction, and I think it makes a lot of sense. Excellent. Well, let's get to the episode. On today's tech tip, I actually have the privilege of talking to a fellow tech, Tyler, who we uh, interviewed last time, is working on some really interesting projects. He is doing something similar to what uh, Dan and I did to his Meteor. He has got a Stars game that he's uh, completely revamping, as well as adding new code to, and uh, a couple interesting things that he's doing to with with the new products. Uh, how are you doing, Tyler? I'm doing very well. How about yourself? Great. Can you describe the project that you're you're up to here? Uh, well, I'm doing a stars, and I'm uh, completely ripping it apart. When I got it, I bought it out of an old barn. It's probably has been played for 15, 20 years, so uh, it needed quite a bit of love. Basically, I've stripped the whole game down, taken everything off the play field, all the lights, coils, switches, everything. Uh, ran it through my hydrosonic cleaner. And uh, just right now, uh, clear-coating the play field after it was touched up. I'll reassemble it, put it all back together. I'm going to add some uh, Pinball Life LED boards instead of the light sockets. So one of the big problems with the old uh, Stern Valley uh, pinball machines is when you add the LEDs to them, they flicker, they ghost, they cause a lot of issues. You can add separate adapters to add to it, but uh, they don't work 100%, I feel like. So um, this is my first time actually trying the LED boards. I did put one of the LED boards in my Mrs. Mr. and Mrs. Pac-Man for the maze, and it turned out really well. So that kind of is what turned me on to this product. You're pretty happy with that. The other problem with the is not just the flickering, but a lot of sockets are uh, corroded, and that's that's crazy making in in, the, in those games that you can you know put your LEDs in and then they they don't work. Uh, you wiggle them, they work again. You clean them, they work for a while, uh, and to replace them, it's, it's it's pretty tedious. So yeah, I think these things are good. Now they're. My understanding is they're just little miniature circuit boards. They have a uh, SMD uh, surface mount uh, LED on them. Is that correct? And you uh, just resolder the wires to um, to the new board. That's exactly it. And you screw it into the exact same spot that uh, your original light socket was in. Yeah, I think it's a it's a great idea. Uh, so it's also the, the two big problems all, all at once. And I was kind of interested to know too, just just stepping back a little bit, was uh, stars. Uh, why stars? Are you uh, were you a big fan? And Dan Dan just uh, just about fell over there because uh, I think he likes stars a lot actually. And oh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, the reason I jumped into stars, it would just popped up available for a good price, and I was eager to do another playfield. Uh, full quick clear coat and restoration, and it was a good candidate for that. Well, and you've got a really good artist in house for for your playfield restorations too. Absolutely, I'm very lucky to have my wife. Yeah, that's what I, I have heard that actually. I've not seen seen her work, but a lot of people say it's really great. Actually, what a neat thing to be able to do. I mean, that is uh, uh, can be tricky. You know, I've I've done it a little bit myself, but I'm certainly no artist and. 
like you know, drawing a straight line is a challenge challenge for me but uh, that's really neat actually to go through that process and uh, I know like I was saying Dan really likes the stars game itself and I think with the updated code uh, that you're getting for it uh, that the new board and everything it, it becomes it's transformative to the game and like I see Dan I think that was his maybe his first choice other than me there was that, that fair to say um, no I, I think uh, I, I had played stars the new code of stars because it's been out for a little bit and I had played um, a version. Now, I don't know if it was Dick Hamill's or if somebody had also rewritten a little bit of Star's code. Um, Dick Hamill is the person behind Meteor, and he's also the person behind this 2021 Star's. Um, and I, I just think it's very cool how, you know, they've taken these old rule sets and they've just really sort of added multiple levels to them now. Um, and it just breathes a lot of life into games. Uh, Meteor maybe has the slight advantage of having the movie IP. You know, Stars doesn't unfortunately have that, but uh, but with I think the, with the sorry? new Stars 2021, they've uh, added a new sound code to it as well. So it has sound effects as well, and like they added the wizard mode to it, and uh, yeah. rolling uh, digits on the displays. It's just a lot lot oh, more okay. features that make it a ton more modern. Yeah, so this is actually much more modern than the stars that I played. Like, I played the stars that had an upgraded ROM, but not, not to this level. It didn't have the oh, it, complete new Arduino. Yeah, yeah so this has yeah. been redone. So this mm -hmm. the, this is, uh, is is Hamill's code. And I don't know who my, my code was from. It was a, a friend that had it, and it, it just added a bunch, you know, another level to the game, but it didn't add it to this level, which sounds great. Um, yeah, that's a really ambitious project. It's a lot of work. So you're, you're clear coding. That, that's always interested me. Is that something you do yourself or you uh, take uh, it out? Yep. Uh, this is the second one I clear coded. The first one I did was a space shuttle. And uh, the first time I did it, I did with a roller. And uh, when using the roller, it just led to a lot of extra sanding to get it really smooth. So the second time I wanted to get a gun, so I got an actual air gun this time. And I feel like it's going a lot smoother having the air gun, a lot less sanding. Uh, the coats are going on thinner. So uh, I think it's going to be a better finished product. Oh, I bet it will be. Yeah, lot, lot, lots of work, but they're sure beautiful when they're when they're done, right? And the touch up interests me too because I when I touched up, there's paint missing sometimes. There's um, you know key lines are often gone uh, on games, but there's a point where you have to decide that I'm going to have to live with some of these ball swirls. I'm going to have to live with those that ingrained dirt. Unless your uh, your your good wife uh, does all of that, but at some point you got to commit right to the clear coat. And uh, I guess there's a, still a bit of imperfection. Is that is that right, or do you guys just go the whole the whole nine yards? And uh, well, I we try to do it as perfect as we can, but there's absolutely like I said, there's going to be uh, imperfections. It's still a 40, 50 year old play field that we're trying to bring back, and we don't color everything. We uh, we fill in any paint that's missing. And then with the clear coat, that does a lot of the leveling, so we bring up all the inserts, so it's uh, smooth to the touch when it's all done. Yeah, and it uh, must be a real much faster play, and uh, yeah, just a, a total a total difference. Yeah, what a, what a great thing to do, though, to restore an original uh, field. And your wife enjoys doing it. Does she play as well? She, uh, she plays a little bit, not a ton. Uh, she enjoys doing the painting and the touch-up a lot more, because uh, in a lot of her spare time, she's an artist. Uh, she works in a call center uh, for the BC government, so when she gets to paint, that's kind of her free time. So she really enjoys doing it, and I'm I'm just lucky to have her to help. Oh yeah, yeah. So she does the play fields and the cabinet uh, paint as well. Uh, we haven't done a cabinet yet. Uh, I was kind of on the fence if I was going to do stars. I, that's not one thing I've attempted yet. Maybe one day, but uh, 
I, I kind of like the original look of the cabinets. Like when I'm playing on it, I want the play field to play perfect, but I like the machines to show the age and show what they've been through. So I don't want a perfect restored machine, but at the same time, I do want it to play as perfectly as possible. Yeah, no, fair enough. At times that, that cabinet uh, shows the life it's been. The uh, ones I've done, um, and it's a painful process, I'll, I'll tell you that much, uh, were only because people have done things like painted over it completely. I've had, you know, black paint rolled over uh, cabs before that were perfectly nice. And, uh, you know, the only way is to bring it back or very, you know, really destroyed cabinets. But yeah, Stars is, a, it's kind of a cool, those th that era is just really the simple, uh, charming, I guess I'd call it, the graphics on it. Uh, so yeah, definitely worth preserving original as much as you can. That, that's really that's really neat. And uh, you're you're keeping the original boards and everything. And well, other than I guess the Arduino still piggybacks on the original uh, board. So of course, it got uh, when I got yeah, it piggybacks on it. But when I got it, every board had acid damage. Uh, there was a hornet uh, on one of them, so all the all the boards were quite rough. But I got lucky. I uh, come across a six million dollar man. All the parts that someone turned into a virtual pin. So they pulled oh, out no. all the boards, uh, all the displays, all that. Oh, what a find! Oh, that's great. Yeah. So that really helped me with the project, and that kind of filled out all the parts that I needed. Yeah. Yeah, that's really neat because they're uh, yeah a, a great machine. And with Dan's, was meter is very interesting because it was a great basic game. I mean, all the all the parts were there, but uh, you know, definitely missing uh, software and sound too. I think that's the biggest thing. And I, I, I assume you're gonna that new code. I haven't checked into the Stars code. And does have like you say effects and maybe some music and uh, yeah, that's and that exactly. Kind of thing. Yeah. It makes it yeah. more like a more like a typical mid '80s machine. But at the same time, uh, I'm gonna put a switch on it so you can flip it back to the original. So if you want to go back to the old chimes and the old uh, code, that's possible as well. Yeah, that's great. That's great fun to compare the two uh for people so it was good yeah we went a little bit uh, crazy on dan's sound system and uh you know <laughs> made me some custom speakers and a pretty good amp in there so it's uh yeah it, it uh it's really really enhances and i think it's a great thing people are doing and really it's great that you're restoring these games too i know you've done several well, several now and you've also had some odd curiosities go through your shop too which are, <laughs> uh which is kind of neat i think i guess in your business you come across these things and uh, absolutely. Just when I opened up, I was basically be a picker shop, so sell any collectible I can. So uh, I've definitely ran some really unique items. Like I had a nineteen, I have a nineteen thirty three pinball machine. Uh, that's the earliest one I've owned. But I've also had uh, another one, a stunt pilot, which was a uh, had a full like three D diorama. It was an old, uh, I think it was a dime game, and you played it, and the actual plane flew around inside the diorama, and they all used mirrors and glow in the dark. It was a really neat game. Oh, incredible! Oh, wow, yeah, great, great coin-up stuff. But 1933—that's that's amazing. That's wow. that's really early, yeah. Yeah, that predates flippers. So. Yeah, oh, yeah, by, by a long time. Yeah. yeah, it's got yeah. A, a tilt bulb in it. It's one of the first ones. It has like a little marble on a little stand that every game it picks it up. So it's if you knock it off the stand, your score doesn't count. So that was one of the uh, early features on it. I've seen one of those. Um, yeah, it's like a little pedestal exactly it comes up yep and 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 yeah you're right like a little ball bearing or a marble sits on top of it as the game starts oh, that's, and that's, and that's incredible your score is considered uh defaulted if you if 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 it comes off of the top very cool so is the stars going to become part of the the collection uh tyler or is it uh yeah, going to be moved on and then back into uh, it, another project uh, it'll come into the shop uh and it'll be available to play there 
and uh, just pretty, another game will be rotated out. And then I have a couple other projects I'm working on as right now as well. I have a Hot Shots and an Atlantis and both those. I just have some board issues I'm working through. Then once that's figured out, they uh, should be ready to come in the shop as well. Oh, very, very neat, very neat. And so would you recommend those uh, those lights? You're pretty happy uh, with the way the little boards are? Or is there any, any downside to them? Uh, to be honest, I don't think there's any at all. It's, uh, the amount of work, I guess, to put them in, that's the worst part about it. Uh, they weren't too expensive either, so the price was reasonable. Just for the, all the fixes they have with the, the uh, blinking and the ghosting and everything else, I think they're highly worth it. Oh, yeah, great, great, neat, neat little product. Yeah, I guess the only thing that I can think of offhand with that would be just longevity. And the only way you're going to know that is over time, right? Like you can't really tell, you know, do these things stand up to the rigors of being in a pin? You would assume they would. I mean, well, LEDs are pretty durable. All, all the new Stearns use LED boards, and they use LED boards with four different colors, so that's how they have all the different colored inserts. So this is basically the same technology that Stearns using today. Yeah, my only point being this is yeah. not a Stern product. This is something separate. So, Absolutely. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm not looking at it as a negative per se. I'm just saying that's the only thing that you can't know about. But, you know, we're going to find out, and all logic dictates that these would be fine. Well, I'm looking forward to ordering and trying that. Uh, that'll be good. But, uh, but well, great, Tyler. Yeah, it's nice, nice talking about all the stuff. I'm yeah, always excited about a uh, pinball project, and I kind of look forward to heading up to your place, actually, and uh, and seeing the completed stars. I know Dan is, is keen to play. Very. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, as always, Tyler, it's always great to catch up again and then to find out what you've got new and what's going on in the shop. Uh, thank you for taking some time out of your day and uh, chatting with us. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, hello again. It's uh, Dan Bitterlich here along with Daryl on the Vancouver Island Pinball Podcast. And today we've got a owner of an arcade, a YouTuber, uh, and, uh, and, the pinball guy, uh, we've got seven Greylands. seven. Welcome. Hello. Well, it was, uh, yeah, it was very just sort of uh, kismet that I, that I found out about you. I was, um, just sort of perusing things on Facebook and I noticed that you commented on shooting some video from, uh, 2019 at the Northwest pinball show. So you were originally, uh, out this way, were you? I was, I, um, originally i'm from seattle and then okay. i moved moved around uh the west coast for a little bit and then ended up in the vancouver area i landed there around 2008 and your pinball playing days were they like from teenage days as well or did you get into the hobby later or how did that happen later so i i grew up i'm generation x so i grew up like most generation x peoples uh in the arcade hitting frequent frequenting the arcade and you know oh look frogger came out what's this all about and oh look here's another one and and every every time you went in the arcade there was a new video game so i was really into the video games pinball not so much i i played a little pinball but i didn't really i didn't really take the time to understand what was going on mm -hmm. to me it was just basically you know, you got these flippers and you bash the ball around and you try to keep it alive as long as possible. And I sucked at it. So for as a kid, dropping a, a quarter in a pinball machine wasn't a good value for my entertainment. I, oh, no, I, I could, yeah. I, I could stay alive longer in Frogger or Asteroids or, you know, Wizard of War or any of those things much longer than I could with pinball. So I didn't really 
pay attention that much to pinball until later. It was actually, there was a, a company in mission, the pinball company, and they were opening up a retail store and we were walking down the street. We saw them unloading a bunch of machines in and I was like, holy crap, are they opening an arcade? That'd be great. You know, because mm-hmm. no arcades anymore at that True. point. Yep. And, uh, so come to find out they were actually opening up a retail store. So we went down there for their grand opening day and we walked around and we looked and I, I had always wanted to buy like a space invaders or a classic video arcade. Never, never got around to it. I, I, I looked at him a few times and it was just one of those things that, you know, one day I'll get one of these. So we're in there and they were primarily pinball and I'm looking around thinking, you know, I never thought of owning a pinball machine. Maybe I should look into it. And the, the cheapest one that they had was, a. I think it was a, a butterfly uh, made by Sonic, I believe. Oh, a Farfarella? Or no, Butterfly. No, okay. Yes, I know the one you're talking about. Yep. Yeah. Beautiful machines. Mm-hmm. Um, they had they had a handful new in box and um, like new old stock. Right. And uh, But they wanted like three grand for it. I'm like, I'm not dropping three grand on a machine that I don't even know if I'm going to play after a week. Looked on Craigslist. Uh, seven days later, I had a, a Bally hard body. that i i bought for 800 bucks and uh we we thought okay i'm gonna put coin mechanisms in it and we're going to uh drop quarters just like and and we're gonna do that until the machine pays for itself right that was the idea (laughs) we played the crap out of that machine oh yeah every night we played it just for hours well there's not a lot not a lot going on on hard body so then after that i I was like, okay, I want, I want something with pop bumpers now. So then I looked around and I, next thing I knew, I have a, a alien poker, which is a great fun game. Uh, put that on coin mechanism, started dropping quarters and I'm going to the bank and buying rolls of quarters so I could play my stupid pinball machines. <laughs> and so that was, that was, um, I don't think it was quite 10 years ago when I did that, maybe eight years ago. Okay. And that's, that's sort of where it started. No, that that's really cool. Now, did you have a background at all in like electronics or repair or anything, or did you just uh, sort of jump in, you know, both feet? I'm well. I I do uh, my career. I was in IT, and uh, I did that for years and years. Um, uh, networking and builds, computer builds, and stuff like that. But I've always been a little mechanical. Um, mm-hmm. If and plus, I have a recording studio, and I have a bunch of old synths that occasionally will have a problem. So I got to crack them open and troubleshoot what's going on with some old synthesizer or something like that. I always enjoyed that. Um, so pinball, I cracked, I cracked open Bally and looked in there and I was just like, holy crap, what the hell's going on in here? (laughs) (laughs) It's like all this cable and all this, all these little mechanisms that I didn't know anything about. And, uh, but it, it didn't take too long to sort of kind of figure out the flow of i mean there's a lot of things but there's a lot of the same things right so there's Hmm. when you first look at it it's overwhelming but then once you figure out what everything is it's not too bad so i'm i'm not the the greatest when it comes to circuit board repair but um em machines i like doing the restoration so the painting and uh that aspect of it I, i really enjoy doing but 
for the circuit board stuff since at, at one point my collection turned into this will be a working machine in an arcade and so if i could buy a second party board for it um like a rotten dog or something sure if the board if the board was having problems i've i've had boards i take them out i fix them put them back in then pretty soon they have another problem i'm taking out i'm fixing it again so if it's going to be a working machine i'd rather just put in a nice rock solid third party board or something right sure for reliability yeah no i, yeah. I can understand yeah. that for sure so that that's pretty cool that's a pretty deep dive right away like i mean the fact that you're you know that you've you've got a technical background but that you're that you're diving in and you're not intimidated most people do get quite intimidated when they uh when they pop the play field for the first time so that's that's pretty cool so I, seven, I loved uh, it i thought it was uh, amazing <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so how did you make the transition, Seven, t into your videos? Um, the one I'm thinking of and the one uh, when Dan, you know, uh, forwarded me the information uh, on you, I rewatched uh, the video on your uh, cleaning product comparison. And I thought <laughs> I thought that was pretty amazing, actually, because I had, you know, a lot of people have advice and tips on what to do, but I've never seen one where they actually did it scientifically, uh, laid out all the, all the uh, processes, taped them all down, marked what they were. So that, that was really good. Uh, what kind of prompted your decision to uh, move forward with that and kind of share that information? So the how the videos came about was I I had a, a Palooka pinball machine and mm -hmm. the back glass was really flaky. And so I started researching on, okay, what do you do to fix this? What can I do to to stop this from happening? A lot of references to using Krylon triple thick. And a lot of people saying, put down the, you, you, you spray the Krylon down fairly thick and then you lay down this saran wrap on top of it. So I went digging around for videos on this process and there was a lot of videos at the time. Well, not a lot. I mean, there was a handful of videos on YouTube of, of showing people spraying the back glass and putting the saran down, but there was no video of like, okay, now we're peeling it off. So I thought, you know what, let's, let's make that video because someone's got to be in the same position in mind is like, is the, is the saran wrap going to come off easy? Is it going to, is it just going to peel right off or is, am I going to have to fight with it or what is, what does it do? So I, I did a few tests of, I, I got some glass. I, just some plain glass. I sprayed it with Krylon. I put the, I put the wrap down on it. Some I put the wrap down. Some I didn't. I tried different le levels of thickness that I put down. And I thought, you know, what? I should, I should just share this. And and uh, so my very first video was on that. I had already sprayed the plate, or I'd already sprayed the back glass. Now let's see what it looks like to peel this stuff off. So then the next video that I made, which I don't remember what it was. But it was sort of the same thing. It was, there really wasn't that content out there of what, what I was looking for at the time. It was something that I knew how to do, but there wasn't enough, there wasn't what I thought was fairly good content out there. So that the cleaning product one was, came about because if you go on any, any website or message board or something where people say, how do I clean my play field? that you'll get a million answers and everybody is saying that everybody else is wrong and this is the best way to do it. No, this is the best way to do it. I have this joke that is 
that I, I like to say, uh, it's pinball. So everything you're doing is wrong, right? <laughs> 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 because everybody's, it's, you know, it's like any, any hobby. Everybody's got a, an opinion on, they do things their way and they have a, the opinion that that way is the best way. So, oh yeah, like, yeah. There's definitely camps. I mean, that, oh, that's definitely. one yeah. thing. Well, well, the yeah. good thing is the videos don't lie, and I think that's why I kind of stumbled across yours was exactly the same thing. Yeah, you know, lots of opinions, but uh, seeing it in action uh, is, is a different thing, and especially the Krylon thing is interesting too because I, you know, I've, I've triple ticked a lot of things. I've never really gone to the Saran wrap technique, but it sounds kind of scary to me. And if you, you know, if they show you putting it on but not coming off, then that's uh, that could that could be a bit of a red flag. Uh, and there, there are ways to damage a play field in cleaning too. So it was, uh, yeah, so I found it right. very useful. I, I don't think there's enough videos actually demonstrating things uh, like that and the results of, uh, of of your actions. That's that's kind of what I focus on when I make videos. Is I, I don't want to do just another video of this is how you swap out, how you how you fix a pop bumper, right? Although I did do that with a really old pop bumper from a machine from the 50s because it was kind of a unusual thing that you don't see very often so i i thought it would be fun to make a video on that and i'm just not making content for the sake of making content i'm i'm doing it because it's it's something that i feel like there's kind of a gap in in the information that's out there that's kind of what i want to focus on and it appears to me you're getting good positive feedback too um on, on your site so are, are you finding that quite a bit people are kind of saying yeah this is this is really useful and I, I get messages uh, all the time of people like on Facebook, they'll, they'll find me on YouTube or something and they'll come and find me on Facebook and they'll message me through Facebook uh, saying that they, you know, they, they use the video that I put out and they, it helped them with whatever it is that they were doing. I get a lot on the, I did a one on cleaning um, stepper units um. and kind of went through this in-depth thing it was on an older machine but it stepper units are all basically the same so um and that's kind of how i try i i form the the video is that this is an old stepper unit but your stepper unit that might be 20 years newer it's going to function the same way just look at it and figure it out like it, they're not difficult things at, at the end of the day they're, it's not a difficult mechanism it's not complex it's they all do the same thing they they forward through and then something triggers a switch and they reset that's it so it i it's it's kind of that i'll i'll teach you some things and you can use that knowledge to figure out this other thing that you've got in front of you right and there's a there's a serenity to the way you actually teach as well. Like I know having watched a number of them, I think somebody mentioned Bob Ross mm -hmm. at one point and his painting style and how, how that was so relaxed. And I go, and, and, you know, especially since there's a lot of people, there's a vast number of new people into the hobby now that, that, you know, the fact that they can come in where they are getting this at, at sort of a, at, at a positive speed and and you know without without a whole bunch of flash like you're just basically telling it like it is and and uh i mean for somebody that's sort of semi-technical i think that's probably as as far as i can call myself um you know it's appreciated because uh although things might seem to always be intuitive they aren't always and and definitely not just verbally like when you can see it like a video is a great thing for things like that because i can right. actually see that and say yeah you're right my the unit that i'm working on is slightly different but yeah it's got the same kind of mechanisms in it 
And like you say, logically, you just have to figure out, okay, what is the actual function, you know, and how does it correlate to what you're showing me? And and that's great. I mean, that's just really good stuff. And if if you're at that point of fixing your your you know, let's say it's a 70s era pinball machine, electromechanical machine. If you're at that point where you're diving in and you're taking apart stepper units and cleaning them, all, you know, you might have a Gottlieb, but then you pick up a Williams or something and the mechanisms, mechanisms are going to be a little bit different, but they're the same. Yes. So, you know, the, that, that critical thought process is kind of what I, what I like about that sort of style is, is look at it and figure it out. You can do it. You can figure it out. You know, here's the basics. Now you put in a little bit of brain work and, and do the rest of it. And I, th- I think it's, it's fun. And I think people enjoy it. You know, I agree. I mean, like I said, I think the method is bang on, um, especially for the day and the age that we're in. I mean, this isn't the, you know, the high level coin op where it was just, you know, them teaching field techs the absolute minimal amount they had to do, you know, all the horror stories we've heard about foil, you know, tin foil <laughs> yeah, being yeah. used as fuses and whatever else. Um, you know, we're, we're in a different era now where so, you know, people are looking for real solutions and things that, you know, understanding the problem rather than just make sure it can make some quarters like just I don't know, right. do the quarters go in. That's good enough. You know, right. so it, it, it's it's neat to see. And and so your hobby sort of has taken another step or or is about to take another step. Um, I don't know how you want to phrase that, but uh, <laughs> you've got some exciting news. Um, yeah, that, that was one of the things that we chatted about. And uh, and uh, yeah, there's there's something very special coming to Prince Edward Island. And uh, why don't you let the folks know what that is? So after after years of collecting up uh, 70 some odd pinball machines with the intention of opening an arcade and having numerous roadblocks stopping me at particular points uh we finally signed a lease so <laughs> that's awesome yeah we uh we found i i had been looking in the charlottetown area mm-hmm. for locations uh i i started looking again in a little bit in november of last year december and then um really stepped up in february Looked at a, a lot of places. I found a couple of really awesome locations, but the they needed washrooms because this is a an amusement thing. So you need to have a certain amount of washrooms per capacity mm-hmm. um, and adding those washrooms to those existing locations would have been um, quite expensive. I'm, I am being uh, I don't want to say I'm cheap, but <laughs> I'm being I'm being uh viciously frugal <laughs> hey you know because what? That, yeah that's the, a good idea the, the first year is going to be the roughest right while mm-hmm. you're getting the getting people in and especially in in this area where you have a big tourist season and then it kind of might drop off in the winter we'll see um so i don't i want to i don't want to go out and you know end up three hundred thousand dollars in debt for something that isn't even proven yet i i would rather i'm i'm i've got a little cash tucked away and that's what we're using to fire this thing up with. And, um, I, I, I think we can do it as long as we're careful. If we can get past that first year, then we, we should be golden. 
uh, how many games? Like, whether is this going to be pinball only, or is it going to be pinball and video, or what's uh, what's the idea? So yeah, fa- phase one is pinball, and then phase two will will bring in arcades. Um, I don't know the location that we found. I I could probably bring in five to ten arcades, depending on how I arrange things, and and still not have it. Uh, not have it be too uh, cluttered. I could easily do 40 machines in the location. Um, but I was looking at it today, actually, and I think I, I figured out a way to bring five more pinball machines into it if nice. I arrange, if I arrange <laughs> things properly. We've, we've been kind of joking that um, we want to hit the 40 mark because then we'll be Canada's largest yep, classic would be. pinball arcade. Yep, you There's, would be. The guy in Ottawa, which I, I keep meaning to reach out to because he seems like he's a really nice guy, he has 30-some-odd machines in his space. And he's opening up a new thing. Um, I've only heard a little bit about it. Yeah, we interviewed him um, two episodes ago. So you're talking about Mike. Um, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. And he's opening up something in and I, I, I don't know my Ottawa to Montreal. I think it's Alfred, uh, Ontario, which is like right in between the two spots. Yeah. Um, yeah. we interviewed him and the fellow that did the documentary on him. Yeah. And I, I, I have, I can't get a beat on how many he's planning on putting in there. I know he's doing both video and pinball and I don't know the timeline on that, but if, if we're open in June, we'll be Canada's largest. And whether we hold on to that or not, who cares? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It's all like I know Arcadium in Edmonton is up there, too. Like they're in the, I think, high 30s as well. Um, so I, I know Mike has, has uh, laid claim to largest. I think it's sort of been between uh, Mike and Derek back and forth. Um, but I'm not sure of numbers either, to be honest. I, in the end, we, we've got a 25-pin arcade here, uh, the powerhouse, and I'm just so happy to have a 25-pin arcade. <laughs> um, I'm looking real forward to in September when I'm in Charlottetown oh, to coming by and actually checking out uh, Seven's Pinball-Rama, which is is that going to be the working name for the arcade? Seven's pinball arama. That's what we uh, pinball arama. Okay, yes. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah. No, I looked and um, the actual town that it's in, the suburb that it's in. What what's that called again? Oh, Cornwall. Cornwall, right? Yeah. Okay. So just just for those that are the listeners that are going to come and be looking for the place, I did look on the map. It's quite close to Charlottetown itself. Um, so seven. What's the, what's the complement of games you you got there? It sounds like a lot of them were from your your personal collection. Is it uh, um, EMs all the way up to modern stuff, or somewhere you know solid state focus? Um, so it's when we started buying. So after after I stopped buying for just to have pinball machines in the house, which was I I filled up an extra room that I had in my house, and we had I think eight machines. I had a bunch of friends coming over and we, we had this like pinball night thing where there was a group of us. We all had different pinball machines. So we go over to each other's houses. This is kind of the long version of this. But we, we had some friends that had like the the like pin side top 10 pinball machines, right? Like they had the the most desired pinball machines. And 
But my friends would come over to my house and like, we really like coming to your house because all your machines are unique. Mm -hmm. They all have these different things going on. And what was going on is I was collecting gimmicks. I wasn't collecting popular machines. I was collecting all the different gimmicks that you could find in a machine. So hard body didn't have pop bumpers. So the next one had pop bumpers. Uh, Alien poker didn't have multi-ball. So I think the next one I bought was uh, Riverboat Gambler. It had it had multi-ball and so that's what i was collecting and and different different ways of playing pinball and not necessarily just like oh i have to have an adams family when i when we made the after after that and people were like man i love coming over to your house to play it was like well crap okay let's just do an arcade so so then then the then the collection changed because in vancouver there's a crap ton of pinball machines all over the place so i was looking to fill the holes in all of these pinball machines public pinball machines in town so i purposely didn't buy an adams family because i could find like eight or nine different places in town you can go and play one i didn't get a twilight zone because there were you know eight or nine of those things out there and available so i was looking like okay there's no skate balls i gotta get a skate ball there's, there's no Blackwater 100. I got to get one of those. Getting all of these things that you couldn't find locally. And at the time, uh, pinball prices were still somewhat reasonable. So I, $1,200 was an average price for you know something from the late 80s or so. So I would look at the, the prices of the new machines and I thought, well, okay, I could buy a new Stern or I could buy an Adams family for this amount, or I could buy three or four of these other really fun games for the same price. And so I, I went the other route. So my collection goes from my oldest one is from 1934, but then, and I have a couple from the fifties. I have a lot from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And it kind of stops around the 90s. Well, it's going to be a really fascinating place to play, especially uh, have like a 34. I mean, that's got to be, uh, well, flipperless, right? No electricity, no scores, uh, no flippers. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a fantastic thing that it, it's, there's no back box. Uh, it's, it's traditional bagatelle, but there's a, there's a mechanism underneath the playfield. So uh, there's actually a video on my on my um, YouTube channel about it. It's uh, called the Mystery Six. Okay. So you shoot the ball up, it lands in a hole, and there's a, basically under the playfield there's a piece of wood that stops it from falling through the hole. After you've shot all your ball, all the balls, and they've either drained or they've uh, got stuck in the holes, to play the next game. You put your nickel in the coin mechanism, and it's like one of the coin mechanisms that they had in um, uh, old pay laundry machines, where you push the you push the coin in to the right. thing. That's actually connected to this piece of wood that lives underneath the playfield. <laughs> when you push the thing forward, it's pushing this big sheet of wood up, which then reveals holes that all the balls drop through. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, that's it. Well, but but the thing is, you know, I mean, again, you can create something on the top side that's actually quite fun. It doesn't matter that it's relatively simple, but 
ingenious, you know, down below to actually get the function to work. That that's yeah. pretty cool. I'm I'm just loving some of the titles I'm hearing, like Blackwater 100. I hope you still have that. Yes. Um, that that that's a game I just love. I mean, any game that starts with a multi ball is just crazy. Um, <laughs> but but it's and so that, cool to with. That's yeah. another gimmick, right? That, it's a, that oh, was no, a gimmick. Oh no, for sure it was right? a gimmick. Well, it was. It, it has that. It has the molded plastic. I think of all the molded plastic games, and there's not a ton that I can think of. You know, uh, uh, Escape from the Lost World, and but uh, mm-hmm. definitely Blackwater 100 was my favorite. Um, so yeah, no, that 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 sounds great. I love the 70s and 80s machines. I'm definitely a huge fan there. Um, it's not that I don't like DMDs, and and sadly, most of my collection is is DMD. But uh, I've still got a meteor that. Uh, that Daryl has uh, it altered to a Meteor 2021 um, with the new code and the new processor in it and everything, and that's just made that game that much better. Um, but no, this, I'll, have this, to, I'll have to look into that. I don't know about that. Oh, that's amazing stuff because uh, Mark or not Mark Hamill, no Dick Hamill. Dick Hamill was the coder down in the states, and uh, he took a lot of IP from that uh, Oscar-winning uh, movie Meteor. Um, with, <laughs> with 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 Sean. O'Connor. Oh yeah, Sean Connery. Oh yeah, yeah, it did. No, no, they actually did. That's that's what they had to do. They had to actually sweep up after the Oscars. That's the only way they let them in. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it, the the IP in that movie, as cheesy as it was, worked so well in pinball. And you know, all of a sudden, you've got voice now because of these new processors. And uh, right. you know, we put a subwoofer into it and uh, an audio uh, an audio uh, system on the top of it too with a topper and a fiery meteor that's uh that's moving about so uh no very what, cool what's what board is it running on uh this is where daryl comes in <laughs> it's, it's, it uses an arduino actually okay. that was programmed to kind of piggybacks on top of the regular processor okay uh, which is kind of weird it kind of takes over some of the functionality it's kind of a, a, a cool way of doing things actually well and daryl also had it has it switchable so i've just got a switch on the front I can go standard code or I can you know, go to the new code with the uh, voice and the wizard mode in there and different modes in there. And the Imperial March from Star Wars is, 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 uh, you know, sort of a victory lap thing that, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it just sort of really takes the game to another place because I mean, I am a bit of a tournament player. I'm not, uh, particularly good, but, uh, um, it's fun for me when it when games grow and like being able to put life back into a game that's you know over forty years old is is just really really cool. Well, a lot of games like right. Seven, like you know, are really interesting of that era too. I mean, the art was kind of cool, uh, but they were limited by what they could do with with the processors and, and everything else. So this kind of did breathe some new life into the game, and, and uh, yeah, it made it a lot of fun. I was kind of curious too. What's your physical space like that you've rented? Um, is it kind of warehousey, or what, what's kind of your vibe going on there? The space is in a restaurant, and it's uh, Pizza Donair Hub is the restaurant. And they have uh, four locations on PEI. And this is their largest location. So right before, they have a really, really large uh, dining room area that's 14 some odd hundred square feet. Right before COVID, they they wanted to do more of a lounge thing. So they they painted the ceilings black. They put up some LED lights. They hung some monitors up in the center of the room trying to get it to be more of like they could do some sports bar stuff and they could do some other things. They got a lounge liquor license. Um, 
And then COVID hit and they never got a chance to use it. They had to shut down. So they were still doing takeout, but their restaurant was basically that all the dining space was closed. So coming out of COVID, the, the two partners of the pizza place started talking with each other and, and they're like, you know, we were, everybody's doing takeout now and we're doing deliveries and we're doing fine there. Why do we need this restaurant? Why do we need this big space? So they were going to put a wall up and rent it out to someone else, like maybe an office or whatever. They, they put an ad on Kijiji. Kijiji is really big out on the East coast. Nobody uses Craigslist. It's all Kijiji stuff, which I, I miss Craigslist. (laughs) 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 Most of my machines came off of Craigslist, but I digress. Um, so they, uh, they, they put an ad up for a space and I was constantly looking at the Kijiji retail spaces in, in the area. And, and I saw it like 15 minutes after they posted it. And so I reached out to them and, and a couple of days later I meet them. I go look at the space. We start talking. They're like, wait, you want to put an arcade in that'll draw a lot of people in and I'm like, wait, you have pizza that my customers might want to eat and I don't have to bother cooking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it worked no. out really well. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's the, right now the space still has a bunch of booths and tables in it and we're, we're making, we're going to basically gut it. Um, but it, you know, it's, I, I joke in a video that I made that when I first saw the space, I was like, holy crap, it already looks like an arcade. Cause it's the walls are painted, the ceilings painted black and it has that sort of arcade vibe to it halfway already. So it's, it's, uh, ideal and it's, it's big enough that I could put a, a big row down one side, a row in the back and then two rows in the middle back to back. And they're going to leave the monitors in the, in the center of the room. I'm going to buy them off of them for, we haven't decided, but so there's four monitors up there. We can display various things that we want to display and, um, like, then, like your YouTube videos. Sorry? You could display your YouTube videos. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm thinking more like, you know, uh, uh, interesting tidbits about various machines. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, like come idea, up with yeah, a big yeah. slideshow and, you know, like, did you know that it, this is the thing about this machine or whatever? And then there's there's a little space in the back. It's this little weird triangular room. They have, right now they have a, a soda fountain machine they have coffee makers they have all their cups and glasses and all the other stuff so i'm getting that space and it's big enough to put a machine back there and work on it so i'll have and and enough room to store a couple of machines on the sidelines so if one of my machines on the floor blows up spectacularly then i can just fold it up haul it away bring one from the back set it up and i don't have a you know a black space in the middle of the row so uh, that, that, again, that sounds like the forward planning. I like it. It's good. And the, and the, the guys who own the pizza place are, are really cool and laid back. And, um, we're, we both see the benefit of both of our companies being under one roof. So, you know, we're, we're both making concessions to work with the other people. Like I'll be using their washrooms. My customers will be using their washrooms. Mm-hmm. We've determined that to be like a shared space. Well, okay, who's going to clean them, 
right? <laughs> like, yeah, no, wanna... fair enough. Very important. So, so we're like, okay, so one person, one one side will clean them and the other side will stock them. So I'm like, I'll pay for the toilet paper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Given that choice, yeah, I, I think yeah. That's, that's the job I take. Well, that yeah. sounds like a great uh, marriage of two, two like, the, ideal the situations. The synergy is yeah. perfect, yeah. yeah. It is. It's good, yeah. And they have... They have uh, the three other spaces um, in various places. And early on, they said, you know, if you want to put a couple of machines in there as coin drop, then that'd be great. So I, I might do that later where pop a couple machines in some of their other locations was a sign up that says, hey, you like playing this? Well, there's 40 some odd more here. Along so, those lines. So, so is your model going to be coin drop or is it going to be hourly play or what no, do you think? It's uh, so. We wanted to do pay one one price and uh, get in the door, and it's basically one price, and you can play as long as you want. That's but cool. I ha I have some friends who have uh, arcades, and mm -hmm. they do the the for, uh, pay for an for an hour of play, and then a slightly reduced price to keep going. If you want to play another two hours or something like that. So I was thinking about it, and I thought, you know. An hour to me seems a little short, but I know that there's definitely going to be a handful of people that come in in the morning and they don't leave until we close. You know, they're just going to be there all day playing. So what's a happy medium? And I thought, you know, two hours is really good. If you pay like 13, 14 bucks for two hours mm -hmm. of play, that's basically like going to a movie. It's the same amount of time of entertainment for about the same amount of price. And people are okay with that. People drop, you know, out before you get your popcorn and your sodas and whatever else. It's it's about fifteen bucks a ticket. Yep, and two hours. So that's that's what we're gonna do is is a price for two hours. Then we're gonna do, uh, you know, after a certain, like maybe after eight, it's a slightly reduced price until we close. Um, there's another arcade that I ran across that they do a date night. Thing. so after like 7 30 or 8 you can get two two tickets for a reduced price so you can you know bring your sweetheart to play pinball or something sure so we're gonna we'll do something like that as well and then a price for kids well that sounds like you've you've given it a lot of thought and you've uh, and and i like what you're saying i mean that uh yeah, I think that's actually a really good model, especially with tourists coming in. Like, I mean, I, I would assume, you know, the June to August tourist season will in general be a very big one for you. I know I see on Pinside all the time people saying, I'm going to blah, blah, blah. Where are the right. pins? Right. You know, I'm, I mean, we're uh, we're a, um, a cruise town, so we'll get cruise ships in. And I know the uh the downtown version of powerhouse which was the original one which was quasars i mean they definitely got some of the cruise you know the cruisers coming in because people want to go off and see the gardens but maybe you know dad or husband doesn't want to and right. here's there's an arcade so that's where he's gonna head um i i think that's fantastic how far out is cornwall from charlottetown itself so we also have a cruise liner dock um, and, and that brings in traffic. Our downtown gets super busy, um, during that time. We're, if, if you go from downtown Charlottetown and drive out to this location in Cornwall, you're looking at less than maybe 10 minutes. Oh, wow. It's not, not far at all. Okay. 
it's a small island. The towns are small. <laughs> well, no, I know that. I mean, I, I, I'm looking forward to it because it's the last province I've, I've, I've yet to been to uh, be to. So that's part of what September is marking that off the list. But now I've got pinball too. So this is yeah. so cool. Yeah. I am. I'm looking forward to that. So that the video that you saw of, mm-hmm. at, at the uh, Northwest pinball show, mm-hmm. that actually, I was there. Um, not for that little tidbit, but I'm, I started working on this documentary called arcade or how I stopped dropping quarters and built my own. That was, that's <laughs> the name of it. Right. Okay. So what I, what I, what I started seeing when I, when I got into pinball, all of a sudden I started meeting all these people that had, you know, 20 machines in their house, uh, or more. Um, yep. I know a, a guy who's, I, I think he's got like a hundred some odd machines or something. And I, I started thinking, okay, I'm, I'm on the path that they were on, that they were on. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. uh, I started with one, then I had two, then I had many. So what is it that, that was driving that? And, and I thought that might be an interesting conversation. So I started talking to a handful of people. I'm like, I'm going to make it, I'm just going to start shooting a documentary on this. Cause a lot of them went down the path to opening an arcade. So I, I actually interviewed the Quasars guys. Um, okay. This would have been right around the same time of that video. So 2019, it was before I, right before I left um, BC. Mm-hmm. And I went down to California. Uh, there's a, a guy down there who runs Retrovolt. It's just about an hour and a, out of uh, Anaheim. I went down and interviewed him. Um, I talked to just a lot of collectors that had you know, more than 10 machines, um, just, just to sort of find out what, what's driving this, you know, what got you to, to having so many machines and collecting so many machines. And then the, the arcade was going to, or I'm sorry, the, the, the documentary was going to sort of focus around here's this giant show that happens in the Northwest where they bring 400 machines in. And so the, the, the sort of format was let's talk to these people and then sort of intertwined in that is this big uh, thing that goes on every year. And then it would end with that. No, that's neat. It, uh, it's yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen, I guess uh, Toronto was slightly different because we had a bunch of people with like 40, 50 game uh, collections that were sitting in basements. Um, you know, basements tended to be fairly large in Toronto because you get winter and you hide. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, out here, it's it took me a long time to find larger collections. Um, that's right. one thing that I've noticed. There are there are a few. There's still one mystery guy that I've never been able to find that apparently brought two containers from Germany over here when he moved over here. And uh, <laughs> one local had met him once and got to see the machines in the containers, but never got to see them set up. And right. nobody's ever heard of the guy again. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's an interesting story, and I mean that would make for a very interesting documentary. That uh, that that would be cool if you uh, if, if if that comes to light. I would love so, to watch that. COVID changed the ending. Um, I was gonna after we moved here, I was gonna start editing it, and then we we moved here at the end of uh, uh, in in September, and. 
the the plan was okay we're just gonna we bought a house that needed some assembly so we were gonna work on the house over the winter i was gonna sit down and edit that video and and put that all together and then we we're gonna start looking for the arcade space in the spring and then COVID hit and that shut us down we couldn't look for a space during that time and i thought you know that that adds sort of a little drama to my documentary is how did all of these arcades fare during that time so i I'm going to finish the documentary with, okay, now COVID has hit, have you survived the pandemic? Did you make it through that? And then the, the, the title itself is how I stopped dropping quarters and built my own. I might, since we're opening, I might be able to include a little bit of that, make it a little autobiographical as well. And I think uh, that sounds so cool. I might be, uh, I'll edit it together and see if I like that aspect of it. But I like the, I like the aspect of, of what happened with COVID mm -hmm. and did you recover from it? And now that COVID is over or mostly over and, and it's kind of, we're learning to live with it and the arcades are going to start coming back again or is, I have to wait basically another year to, to, to get that, the rest of that information. The, uh, the rest of that footage because did you survive and and when everybody came back out did they come back out in vast numbers like bigger than you ever saw before kind of thing mm -hmm. well I, I think that uh, like i say that will make for for an interesting piece for sure there was there was one thing i don't know if you want to kind of sneak it in with the um when we're talking about the pay to enter model mm -hmm. over coin drop is there's there's one thing that I find interesting with pinball on uh, either coin drop or, or free play. There are games like motor dome, Bally's motor dome. It's a terrible game. Yes. Like people, people talk about like games have a particular flow to it. And I Bally motor dome to me has the flow of hammering nails, right? It's just, <laughs> it's just, just sort of, clunky and weird but when i have that machine up i don't care who it is someone's always on that machine when i have a bunch of people over playing someone's always on that machine because they're trying to make that shot you have to hit down the drop target you have to go up around the ramp which goes around the top and the, the left to the little mini flipper which you have to hit the ball across another ramp into a saucer at the top right the game sucks but that shot is just it's that puzzle you have to unlock and i've had people that they they never played pinball before and i show them the shot and they're there for two hours trying to make it a friend of mine who's like a master pinball player he gets on that machine and he's just trying he'll do a four-player game on it he's not playing the game he's just trying to make that shot and see how many times he can make it with the three balls that he has or whatever so that to me is the benefit of having the free play model is because you could have some of these machines that are just kind of dogs, mm -hmm. but they have that puzzle to unlock. I would never play motor dome if I had to play, if I had to pay for it. Yeah. My, my experience with motor dome was actually at Pinburg, And for the first two years I was there, it was broken the entire time that I was at Pinburg. So it frustrated me because I'm the type of guy that wants to play every single machine at least once. 
Right. You know, um, I just want to you know put another one in 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 the gun belt, right? You know, yep, 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 yep. Play to play, play. Right. And you know, and then finally in my third at my third Pinberg, it's operating. <laughs> and yeah, boy, oh boy, did I regret that. But you know what? It was still cool to do it. I have to admit, I didn't play it enough to even know. I mean, I might have tried to make that shot. I just don't right. know about that shot, so I can't say. Yes, that 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 was that was satisfying to me. But I just remember that specifically because it is such an odd game. It um, is. And 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 yes, it was a clunk fest. But I just remember, like you know, every year those first two years, it's like everything else is here is working. Why is this machine not working? And then year <laughs> three, it's working. It's like why is this machine working? Like couldn't they just unplug it or something? It's much more fun that way. But uh, no, that's cool. There's always a story with every machine. I mean, Street Fighter was another one where I just hated it when I first played it. And then we had one on location here. And when I learned the game and I learned the rules, I have to admit it, 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 it became a game that I enjoyed. I won't say I loved it, right. but uh, I enjoyed it, right? You know, I mean, for the most part, games were made by professionals and they were trying to entice you to put a second quarter in. One quarter is right. no big deal. It's it's getting that second, third, fourth quarter. You know, I've got to beat that. I've got to make that shot, whatever. I mean, those those are the games that are most successful. Right? Well, I think that'll be the great thing about your place is the these quirky games. I just one I recalled was Caveman. Oh, yeah. I had a Caveman in for repair <laughs> once. And, you, you know, it's it's not the most desirable games. Yet my 20 uh, year old niece and nephew loved it. They love that right. 80s sound when the video game started going. Yep. They said, oh, yeah, 8-bit sound. Yeah, that's great. It's amazing. And and I, <laughs> I I was surprised, but they they liked it. So, yes, there, there are particular titles that take on a different role when you're not dropping money into them. Yep. Right. They, 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 it, it doesn't matter if they have deep rules that everybody wants deep rules now. Right. But there are some games that are just fun there's there's a fun thing to try on it and see if you could do i like i really like i have an old em volley gottlieb volley love volley that is my i it's the one machine that i own that i consider my personal machine Mm -hmm. so it it this particular one will visit the arcade but it will come home with me right it'll go for a couple weeks or whatever but there even though the game isn't great there's something cool about hitting the targets on hitting a drop target on the right, bouncing it up to a drop target in the center, bouncing it to the left, hitting a drop target back to the flippers and do that again and see if you can get them all down in a sweep. Right. There's just something cool about it. Like, I don't even know the rules of that game, but I just play it to do that. (laughs) Yeah, no, no. Well, it's, it's one of my favorite EMs actually, just because, it, it, well, it's one of the reasons I like EMs is is that you know you could actually really read that rule card on the left hand side and understand most of the game. You know, yeah. I mean, today's world that is not the case at all, which I understand why and I understand the the drive to it. But I I like I like having both. I like being able to go back to when pinball was just yep, read the card and this is what you're going to do, and then you know. The other one is, well, you're going to write your thesis on this machine afterwards <laughs> because of what you've had to go through to, to, to get to the end. Right. I don't I don't have any new Sterns, um, mostly because none of the themes appeal to me. I know they I know. do. You know, a lot of people like the band themes and the movie themes and stuff, but I don't. 
I am not their market. Like, <laughs> no, and they, fair enough. I, yeah. I think I think what I think what Stern does is that they sit down and they're like, okay, we need to come up with a new game. Okay, what's something that Seven hates? <laughs> okay, we'll make that. <laughs> oh, I love it. Next, oh, next is going to be like carbur auto, automobile carburetor, the game. You know. Like, <laughs> I, <laughs> Oh, you are funny, my friend. Oh, that's too good. Too good. Well, well, Seven, I, I wanted to thank you. That was uh, just a really uh, fun, fun chat about uh, your YouTube channel and the coming arcade and just your background in pinball. Uh, it was really enjoyable to have you on. Thank you very much. Well, thanks for having me. So that was uh, really interesting there, Daryl. Um, I mean, a classic arcade is such a a neat project, uh, you know, in today's in today's world. A lot of the modern arcades that we're seeing are, are mostly DMD and sort of newer machines, a lot of stern machines, which which are perfectly fine. But it's really cool to see a number of classic machines being included in in a lineup. Well, Seven was talking about something I've never really even considered: um, the fact that some machines have one or two unique features on them that you know, uh, taken as a whole, machines not that playable. But these individual uh, components make it a really uh, interesting challenge, like the one shot he was describing on, on a machine, the the multi ball uh, start, you know, things you don't think of, and that's what makes the uh, the games interesting and uh, and unique. Uh, you can go a lot of places and play a lot of the newer newer games, but that's uh, yeah, a definitely a, a unique and uh, interesting twist on it. Yeah, the the Blackwater was the multi ball to start the sort of uh, the BMX. Uh, motocross type game and it's neat too because a lot of these are sort of one trick ponies and you don't necessarily want to keep pumping coins into them but when you've got a model where you're allowed x amount of play over a given number of hours that's great because the game itself doesn't have to be great but uh, if you're getting some satisfaction of something specific uh, yeah no for sure that's that's a great idea yeah, I kind of wonder down the road if he will be incorporating uh, newer games or not. It'd be inter interesting to see what the uh, the uptake is. Obviously, amongst the uh, group he plays with, <laughs> his collection is very popular. Oh, yeah. So it's kind of, a, yeah, and I, I think you're going to uh, PEI likely in the yeah, fall. Is that correct? That is in indeed true. We, uh, uh, My wife and I will be spending, uh, I guess, about a week and a half, two weeks out there. So we're, we're definitely going to drop in on 7 and uh, check everything out and... Also, maybe Propeller in uh, Halifax. Uh, that's one of the places I know about in Halifax, but I have to see how much I can sneak in. Yeah, that'll be interesting. The other thing I liked about Seven, or the interesting thing, was the videos, too. And, and as we talked about, I had watched them before, and a very uh, a different sort of video, and a, something that you can actually uh, you know, put some faith in to watch this, this stuff happen. The cleaning one is, is a great one that I, that I watched, and I haven't checked out some of his other ones, which I think I, I will. And so, yeah, it was very... Uh, very gratifying to see someone actually uh, doing that, and his background was interesting. So yeah, we wish uh, Seven all the success in, in the new venture, and uh, yeah, hope that all works out. For sure. As always, we'd like to thank our house band, Ian and the Beach Bums, with their gigantic hit, Washed Up. Tech suggestions and feedback? Podcast at gmail.com. See you tomorrow, Daryl and Dan.